I want to shape something. I want to build something. I want to be a part of something bigger than me that I can have creative control over and the visionary in me, right? I want the vision of that to be what is from like inside here. And so I don't think that that first shift was nearly as difficult as it is for a lot of people because I think I was meant to build something myself. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was like really young, like three years old, I had my first business, right? And so for me, I've just always had that in me. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Immigrant Doctor Podcast. I have a very special guest today, Veena Jetty. So for those of you who don't know, she is a badass at real estate and she primarily deals in large multifamily. She's a mentor of mine and she's a very good friend. We actually happened to bump into each other and believe it or not, I didn't know who she was till a few months ago. And somehow our worlds collided and I came to know her, I met her and she's an amazing person. So I figured I need to get her on the show. So briefly about her, she's actually been in the real estate industry for about 10 years. And I think they did, what, $900 million of transactions or close yeah. to that last year, yeah. which was phenomenal. Her background is in finance, by the way. She did it from University of Illinois in Chicago, and then she pivoted to real estate. So I want to welcome her. Welcome, Vina. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. I'm so excited for this because it's always fun when you get to record podcasts with friends. Yeah, it is. So let's start with, you know, how you got started with real estate. I know we've had these discussions before and you've mentioned your mom was in real estate uh, or at least wasn't interested in real estate. So what, what got you to go into real estate from your, you know, being doing some stuff in finance at the University of Illinois and then you're now an investor? Yeah. So my mom is a real estate investor. She primarily invested in single family homes and I grew up around it, really. So I know it's like over a decade of experience, but really, I think I've been around real estate investing since before I could even walk, to be completely fair. So I think that that really gave me a young foundation for real estate. And then I graduated when I was 20 from college with my degree in finance. And I was like, oh, I'm going to like go do something totally different than the family business. And I ended up working in corporate real estate. And I ended up learning a lot there. Um, you know, I hung my hat at some of the biggest shops in the world and ultimately left in 2012 to start investing for myself. And like you said, now we've bought and sold over 900 million over the course of my investing career in multifamily assets, where uh, actually next month we'll cross the billion dollar mark. So that's like an exciting moment for us. Yeah, it's exciting for us. But that's how I started. I started actually in single family. Is When I left corporate America, I started in single family investing and then realized quickly that I couldn't get to scale in single family. And so I had to find a better way. And that's where multifamily kind of, it was like the light bulb moment there. I'll, let me ask you this. Has Pace Morby ever questioned you? I know you're very close friends with him. Has yeah. he ever questioned you on this like, about scaling in single family? Because that's pr pretty much the bread and butter of his business, or it has been till, till fairly recently. Yeah, you know, it's funny because what Pace has done, it's like mind-blowing what he's done because he's taken something that I always thought, look, when I was investing in single family, we were bootstrapping. We were investing our own money. So if I ran out of money, I ran out of houses to buy. And that's the biggest issue I had with the scalability there. But because of the way he acquires assets through creative finance, subject to, uh, it's actually made it this 
really scalable endeavor within single family. And for him, you know, he has such a big reach and such a big network that he has so many people sourcing deals for him. Back then it was just little old me and like, you know, three people knew who I was and that's about it. And so I didn't have the same kind of reach that he does. So I think one hand washes the other, but I, I think like for scaling single family, like he has really cracked that code well. Right. Well, you know, for you, I understand that your mom was in real estate and I, I guess that was part of the reason what attracted you to real estate, but you had uh, gone into finance. I mean, the world was your oyster, right? In terms of finance, you could have easily moved to New York, joined some, some brokerage, some hedge fund or something. What made you kind of stick around real estate? It's funny that you say that because I'm like thinking about Vina at 20 years old. No hedge fund would have ever hired me at 20 years old. Okay. I promise you that. So I think a lot of people have a misconception about college, right? So yes, I learned some basic things, but like the bulk of the things I've learned came way after college from real world experience, from executing, just doing it, right? I did not learn about NOI in college. I learned like, how late can I stay out drinking and still make it to my 8 a.m. class tomorrow, right? Like, that's what you learn in college. It's, it's time management. It's networking. I actually think college is more useful for the soft skills that you learn in college than the hard skills, especially with access to the internet and educational platforms and chat GPT, right? Like, you don't necessarily need to sit in a classroom to learn about what NOI is. It's really about all the other soft skills that you learn in college, and that's what I think college is useful for. Yeah, that's true. I think it, the world is evolving and changing at such a fast pace, especially with AI. I know we've had these conversations yeah. about AI, but I think that's for a different day. I just want to kind of dive into your story mm -hmm. and your journey. So you started in, you know, this multifamily. Obviously, that's a completely different beast compared to single family, right? Um, and you started initially by investing your own money, which is, you know, the path for a lot of investors when they start out, they start with their own money. And after a while, you hit a point where you're like, well, I'm already invested in all of this, these assets with my own money. What do I do next? So how did you make that jump? How did you, what, what, what did you think uh, or what caused you to make that jump into the next, uh, next phase of your journey in real estate? Yeah, so... To be clear, when I first started investing in multifamily, I started as a sponsor. I didn't start as an LP because I didn't know you could actually start as an LP until I was ready to be a GP. I wish I would have known. I wish someone would have asked me. Literally nobody asked me about this. Um, so I was investing my own money in single family homes, right? And like you said, you get to a point where you run out of money at some point. And there was a week where I bought five houses in a week and I was like, oh my gosh, I hate this because it's like you're driving around from house to house and like you're trying to collect rent and your residents are calling you at all different hours of the day and night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I really hate this. I need a property manager on the asset. And you don't get that till you get to scale, right? So that's number one. Um, but number two, even if I could buy five houses a week, it's like 500 houses a year. I can't get to 10,000 doors like that. I can't get to even 5,000 doors without a very long runway. And so that's where, and this is actually the conversations I have with Pace are, look, if you're looking to own thousands of units or hundreds of thousands of units, it's very hard to do this one home at a time, right? You just don't have the benefit of scale. You don't have management in the same way that you can under one roof. You don't have shared contracts. So there's a lot of issues 
that come up with single family. And so in that week, I was like, there's got to be a better way. And I love residential real estate because I love the idea of providing something that's so important in somebody's life. Like this is your home. And I love the idea of investing into that, into revitalizing that. Like all of that is really important to me. But I wanted to do it with the benefit of commercial real estate and at scale. And so that is how I ended up finding multifamily. It's the best of both worlds. Right, right. No, that's true. I love multifamily too. And you, you know better than anybody else that, you know, that's my asset class of choice that I'm investing in right now. But uh, I want to allude to the fact that you mentioned about property management. So it seems mm. like when you started, probably your mom also was self-managing her single family portfolio. She was. She was. So I didn't really know. I, I had never seen a better way to do it. Interesting. And so when you pivoted to the multifamily space, how did you did you find mentors? How did you do that? Because I mean, it's essentially, you know, a different language that you're talking, talking yeah. about a different set of people that you're meeting. What, what, what did you do to get started in this? Yeah, so I actually had a partner um, who, you know, even to this day, he's a good friend of mine. And he's transacted on billions of dollars of assets now. And he is the first person I think who really opened my eyes to this world of investing and multifamily. And then I started to go to, you know, different meetups and events where there were other people like you and I there that knew and understood that this was a world. And then it was, you know, reading and constantly going back to the drawing board, learning something new, hearing something, asking questions, right? And back then, um, I, you know, I never paid for mentorship. I never paid for like networking and now I'm in those rooms because I've earned my way into them. But I will tell you, the shortcut is mentorship. The shortcut is being in communities with like-minded individuals because otherwise it's long, it's scenic. It took me over 10 years to get here. Yeah, I think it's about the value of time, right? If you're gonna, if you're gonna get somebody's time, you have to give them value in some way or the other, whether it's monetary or whether it's by you know, um, uh, doing something, it's either in cash or in kind that you have to find that, get that, buy that value from them. And it doesn't always have to translate to money like it, like in your case, it didn't translate into paying somebody money for it. But I think uh, to gain value from somebody, you really need to give them value and you need to give them enough value that they perceive it valuable. I totally agree. Honestly, if I could go back and knowing what I know now, I would have done it entirely differently. What would he have done differently? <laughs> um, like mostly everything. Uh, so what I would have done differently is I would have probably uh, structured our our company a little bit differently. I probably would have rolled out my own company sooner where, you know, my sister and I are partners in Vive and I probably would have rolled that out a little bit sooner and tried to get her on board a little bit earlier in my career because she's been an amazing partner. Um, I probably would have also just put systems and processes in place that are different. I would have started by actually finding a mentor or a community that I could ask these questions. I could dare to dream really big without someone telling me like, oh, this is crazy. And I think that that would have actually like changed the entire trajectory of my business and it would have been like pouring gasoline on a fire. Well, yeah, I, I agree. And I think it has evolved over the last uh, few years with social media, like we can interact 
um, mm-hmm. so easily and and you know with with all the platforms like zoom when whatever have you it's so easy to interact now and it's so easy to find those communities and to find those mentors even you know sitting at home totally uh, yeah and i think covid really added more pressure to, for everybody to kind of become virtual and be open to networking online and i think that was kind of the silver lining maybe of covid is we had an opportunity to really push everybody to a virtual direction much faster, which I think today would have been very different without that COVID period, the dark ages. <laughs> I, and I'm glad you mentioned about Priya, though, because uh, I had a conversation with Priya and I wanted to talk to you about uh, a different aspect of that relationship that you have with Priya, right? So what did you see in Priya? Because obviously you started this business before her. And um, this kind of talks about uh, seeing what what do you look for in a potential partner. So what did you see in Priya that made you kind of gravitate towards her being a part of your business, especially, you know, given the fact that she's family, right? Yeah. The common adages. And I mentioned this to Priya also. I said, well, you know, most, mostly people say that you should not mix uh, business with family or friends. Yeah. And here you are, sisters, working in a business together. So what made you kind of get her involved in this? Yeah, she's she's my sister. She's my best friend. Um, which I actually think is a strength for us, to be honest. So Priya is somebody who is, she is like low key, a sniper. Like I think people really underestimate her. And I think this has probably been true our whole lives. And part of that is because I'm such an extreme extrovert and I'm so like, I have an opinion about everything and I'm like very outgoing and she's a little bit more reserved. She's way more laid back than I am, right? But she, I think because of that, there has always been this tendency. And, you know, she's my younger sister. So there's been this tendency for her to be kind of like in my shadow a little bit. And I think that Priya doesn't even realize how amazing Priya is, right? Like I see it and I know it, but she dismisses that as like, oh, well, you're just my big sister. Of course you think this. But it's true. I mean, she really is incredible. And the the first reason I even asked her is because I trust her implicitly. If you cannot trust your partners implicitly, then you need to really be questioning if this is the right relationship or right partnership for you. And it's true even with Ellie, right? Like, I trust her implicitly. I, if she, she'll sometimes voice text me and be like, I need your social security number. And I'm voice texting it back to her, right? Most people don't do that. They kind of have a little more pause and vice versa, right? If I ask her, I'm like, hey, what's your social? It's not like this whole line of questioning around it or whatever. And after Ellie sends me her social, I'm like, hey, I'm just so you know, I'm going to steal your identity now. And she's like, don't do that. <laughs> you know, but that's like the kind of relationship we have is one of like trust and knowing that we are trying to make the best decisions possible for our investors. So it's that alignment too. It's trust. It's alignment. But I think Priya is just, she's the yin to my yang, right? Like, I am a visionary. I will see all the things and I will talk about them and I will want to do them. And I have no idea how to get from point A to point B. Priya will drive the car there. All right, guys, if you haven't done already, please go check out my free video series on how to do due diligence on operators and on deals before investing in them. It's called Real Estate Rx for Passive Investors and it's available at www.rerxcourse.com.